Hey guys, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Table Topics podcast. Joining me today are... Anas. Santiago. And my name is Caleb. And the goal of our podcast, why don't we kind of just iron that out a little bit from the get-go. Yeah, so the goal of the podcast is to talk about tabletop role-playing games, to talk about the culture of tabletop role-playing games, board games, uh, nuances related to uh, gaming in general of the uh, role-playing kind. Yeah, from a casual perspective, uh, more or less, because, you know, none of us are really professionals in this field. Oh, definitely not. We're just a few friends talking about what we love, I guess. And so a tabletop role-playing game, we've said that a couple times now. Um, What does that look like? So, what is a tabletop role-playing game? So, to most people, uh, the most common type of tabletop role-playing game they're familiar with, uh, or they've heard of, would be Dungeons & Dragons. Right. Everybody's heard yeah. of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. And that kind of game typically entails uh, uh, players uh, coming together, uh, each playing a character uh, and a game master or dungeon master or storyteller. Uh, creating a world creating for them a world and environment exist. and you know uh, uh, to exist in and interact with yeah and uh, there's typically some chance mechanics involved whether that's dice or uh, other mechanics right. and uh, it's there's uh, typically there's an image of it being uh, pen and paper although you know now with digital uh, devices yeah. everything is possible right uh, and yeah yeah so usually you're uh, usually people do see uh, dice and stuff like that like in dungeons and dragons you'll see the d20 the 20-sided dice as the kind of icon of dungeons and dragons right and that's that's a tabletop role-playing game that's sort of what we're discussing there's so many different types of that right Mm -hmm. and to talk about different chance mechanics very briefly Mm -hmm. is dice is the classic um, but there are different ways to measure chance, mm-hmm. and we could cover those at a later time. Right. So, role-playing. What do we mean by role-playing? Well, it typically involves, you know, uh, well, playing a role, but, yeah. you know, playing a character. Exactly. <laughs> playing a character, and that's what you'll be doing in a tabletop role-playing game. You take on the persona of a character, and interact with the world that the game master has created along with your fellow uh, your fellow players, right? Uh, I mean, some people are not uh, as familiar with tabletop uh, uh, role-playing games or other kinds of role-playing games, like, right. you know, video games or board games might their mind might go to something a little more risk, but trust us, that's risque. not risque. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, not that. We're yeah. not talking about that kind of role-playing. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's a, there's two different... We've talked about Game Master and Players. Those are the kind of two roles that people take on, like, in the game. Uh, there's the Players, and then there's the Game Master. The Players who are, you know, the characters in going throughout the world as a party of adventurers, almost. Mm. And then you have the Game Master, which is... What's the Game Master? A Game Master is the individual who kind of crafts the world, crafts the scenario, role-plays every single person that the players interact with, generally. Mm -hmm. Um, They 
pay particular attention to the narrative to mm-hmm. ensure that the story is told in a convincing or in a fun way. Right. And so they create a story as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, that kind of hinges at the at the heart of what tabletop RPGs or role playing mm-hmm. games are. Right. And it's a shared storytelling experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a game, but it's also you know you're creating a story and. You know, you have dice, you roll them, you have stats and values like a game, but you're not really limited to anything except for what your character can think of or what you can think of for your characters to do, right? Mm -hmm. There could be the story that the game master plans out for you, but then the characters, the player characters, could just go off and do something completely different, which is... And they often do. And they often do. As GMs, a couple of us know this very very well and know this to be true i like to liken it uh if you've never seen a tabletop rpg or have never heard of it mm-hmm. but are familiar with video games i like to liken it to the game skyrim but with a lot more freedom than a video game can ever offer because a video games restricted by code and things exactly. that human imagination is not limited by yeah because like in skyrim you can jump up a mountain you could go you know pick cabbages or steal from people whatever you want to do you can spend your whole game doing that and obviously it'd probably get a little boring but the thing is in a tabletop role-playing game you're limited by your imagination not by the game as much and the other thing to consider is that Skyrim is very much a solitary game, mm-hmm. while tabletop role-playing games are about the, the group, the mm-hmm. people. Exactly. Playing. It's yeah, very, very playing much a social mm-hmm. community kind of game. Mm-hmm. So, now, leading off of that, so what do you, would you expect uh, as either a new player or someone who's played before uh, when you go to play a tabletop uh, role-playing game or tabletop RPG? Uh, well, first of all, you expect to meet with a group of people, mm-hmm. either now nowadays online or in person, and you know, sit down with them. One of them would lead the story or situations of the, the world. world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and which the, is the game master. Which is the game master, uh, or uh, and the rest of the players would engage with it. And so it's very much a social thing, you know. Uh, typically, uh, for meeting in person. Uh, in my experience, it's typically like you're sitting on a couch and you know with a coffee table, maybe some dice, maybe whatever other chance mechanic, mm-hmm. uh, and you know you enjoy yourself, maybe have a drink, maybe you know eat some food, and it's a fun time. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and a thing to consider is that um, games are normally called sessions, and they can last a long time. You are playing a game with right. a group of people. Um, those sessions could be two hours, six hours. Um, it could be a lot of different things. And it's, it's more about how much you interact with that area as opposed to thinking about, hey, I'm going to play a video game for two hours and I'm going to get X accomplished. It's more about experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's not to knock on anyone who plays differently. There are people that uh, like to play, you know, uh, accomplish xyz yeah, with and objectives in with mind objectives in mind and, yeah. and time there are like leagues and competitive tabletop role playing right but you know it's that's the beauty of tabletop role playing is there's a lot of different ways to play yeah and exactly what you're saying leading off of that is there are different ways to play obviously mm-hmm. um and that's what you know 
you kind of come to a consensus of the group you're running with, the group you're playing with is, mm-hmm. are you kind of having more fun, silly uh, session, or is this more of a more serious mm-hmm. situation or more rules heavy or, or what have you? And that varies from mm-hmm. session to session, from uh, group to group. Mm-hmm. And so like when I play, sometimes I like to play a little more casually, mm-hmm. but I've also played with people who really, you know, crunch the numbers and really try to, you know, game gamify it, you know? Yeah. And that's that's not wrong, it's just not really how I play as much. Mm-hmm. Speaking of how you play, why don't we talk about uh, a little bit of uh, your experience with Tabletop? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Um, my, my experience is I, uh, I started Tabletop role-playing games uh, as a player, as most people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago, and it was actually in a job interview, is when I first got asked how, if I've ever played, and then the next question, well, do you want to? <laughs> so it was kind of funny, but that was my first kind of like, okay, I guess maybe I'm going to be start playing role-playing mm-hmm. games. And it was Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. as it is, again, for most people, but obviously not for yeah. everyone. Yeah. And since then, I've played you know, a handful of different uh types of games ranging from you know Dungeons and Dragons and that medieval fantasy mm-hmm. kind of Tolkien realm to something a little more you know sci-fi cyberpunky with games like Shadowrun or post-apocalyptic games like that and I've, I've dabbled in a handful and I've I've only GM'd game mastered uh, once or twice and and made one myself to game master with. But I am very much so on the less experienced side of this table when talking about tabletops. Um, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, Ennis, and your experience with tabletop role-playing games? Uh, my experience uh, it's not that much different from yours, so to speak, in variety of games that I've tried. and there's, Of course, I mean, once you start getting into this, you'll try a number of different genres and mm-hmm. what have you. Uh, I start, started a little earlier. I started uh, in my first year of university many years ago. Now, oh man, I'm an old man. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I've also GM'd a little bit more than you. Uh, mm-hmm. I've run a number of campaigns. Uh, two of my campaigns have gone on for almost two years now. Uh, and yes, you heard that right, years. <laughs> of which uh, I have been a player of. As yeah. well as have I. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I like to think of myself as, you know, a little bit of a mix. I, I, I play a little bit as a player, but I also uh, run games, you know. And right. uh, yeah. then we come to our third and final uh, veteran. Yeah, definitely a veteran in don't, the don't, tabletop. Don't, don't call me that. Yeah, I'm more of a player. You're kind of a mix. And then we have uh, GM Master Extraordinary. Yeah, don't, don't. You're, you're embarrassing me. Uh, my experience is I've been tabletop role-playing either as a player or as a game master uh, since I was 12? Uh, very, very long years, uh, at this point. And how old are you, 13? Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes I wish, but yeah. no, I've played and, uh, game mastered, um, everything from, uh, Dungeons and Dragons 2nd edition up through 5th edition. I've played Shadowrun, I have run 
Exalted, Eclipse Phase, uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Right, so a lot. <laughs> I could name a lot of games you have. We'll, we'll have a we'll have a whole episode of you just listing all the games you played. <laughs> but I think uh, I think that suffices. Yeah, to say I, I have most a lot of experience primarily with game mastering, but right. I have played quite a lot as well. Right, so I guess that's the kind of different opinions <laughs> that you can expect. Perspectives, yeah, yeah. So we've discussed uh, playing and uh, game mastering or GMing, and we've done that a, a few times. Myself uh, and more experienced uh, GM has done that plenty. And so, like, as a, we've already talked about what, what to expect as a player. What can you expect of a GM or as a GM? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that right now. So... Typically, what you expect of a GM is that they have some kind of uh, story or encounter or something for the players to engage with. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to be just left in the water as a player. You want, you know, prompts, uh, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, uh, the, the GM's job, generally, the Game Master's job, yeah. is to create a narrative where players can engage with the story, with mm -hmm. the environment, and yeah. to bring about a sense of agency that they can interact with. Yeah. Uh, you can expect a GM, or a, a, a well-meaning or well-prepared GM, to have all these elements to be able to engage with their players, mm -hmm. and there are different kinds of players, and a good GM can account for that, or mm -hmm. at least attempt to. Not yeah. every GM's perfect. You kind of want you kind of expect them to have crafted a world in which you can interact in because that's one of the jobs as a GM and encounters and stuff like that. But that isn't to say that you expect them to have all the answers. No. I mean, <laughs> a lot of the time it is improv. Yeah, a lot honest. of the time it is improv. And, and so, you know, speaking of that, what can you expect as a GM? As a GM, you can <laughs> you can expect the players not to follow your story, but yeah. but that, that's yeah. a cynical view. Yeah, it's <laughs> as a GM, you expect players to be excited by what you present them with mm -hmm. and willing to engage because right. you know uh, that's the whole point. That's why they've come to sit around uh, that table. Mm -hmm. One thing to keep in mind, if you want to game master or if you uh, know somebody that wants to and it's for their first time, is that, one, we all started with no experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's true for everything, but it's, it's a very daunting thing mm -hmm. that might uh, prevent game masters from trying. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about it. We've all started there. Yeah. And the other thing to consider is that um, things can go wrong and they're learning experiences. Yeah. yeah. And I think one uh, good point is regarding GMs and players is you got to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Mm -hmm. If your GM yeah. has a very serious situation prepared mm -hmm. and the players are kind of just more in a goofing mood, then those don't really mesh super well, mm -hmm. right? So you got everybody it's kind of like two sides, you know, the mm -hmm. GM and the players. A lot of people kind of see it as a GM versus the player characters, but it I see it more and I think most people around this table see it more as a collective kind of, you know, you're working together and you have to be on the same page, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the case not just between GMs and players, but even between players and players other players. And players yeah. yeah, so if the GM is ready to, you know, play a, se a session where it's a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more goofy, and like, let's say you have four players and three of them are on board, that one player 
A, you will, might not, that one player that wants to play something more serious yeah. might not have as much fun and might also, like, uh, not sit, speak harshly, but ruin the fun for yeah, the other players. It might players. be out of sync. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, that's a good expectation of a player is going into a session, not really, you know, it not being exactly what you want and expect personally as your mm-hmm. personal goal. Like, as a player, you might want to do something specific but the party as a whole might do might want to do something else and you mm-hmm. have to account for that and you have to be okay with that right mm-hmm. yeah and the at the end of the day it all comes down to communication yeah. and communicating expectations communicating uh, goals um, mm-hmm. if you don't have that most campaigns will grind to a halt because mm-hmm. you yeah. aren't being you are not receiving what you were expecting yeah and I think something to remember is at the end of the day, the goal of everybody at that table is to have fun and and, and <laughs> yeah. exactly like just have fun and create a cool story and a mm-hmm. cool situations to you know tell your friends about later about your cool D and D session yeah. and how that uh, how that encounter that you just uh, did. I mean, that's the goal of entertainment in general exactly. is enjoyment and exactly. And so, if ever that becomes an issue then you know just restructure just communicate exactly just talk about it uh the key to a good uh dnd or tabletop rpg campaign is the same as a good relationship open communication exactly exactly because <laughs> that's what it is it's a it's a relationship between you and all those other people yeah yeah and so and all those other people in the game as well yeah sometimes in the game as well uh so, so we're talking about players. Mm-hmm. What like something that you know comes up is how many players should a mm-hmm. campaign have? Mm-hmm. And we we mostly agree, but you know we'll talk about a little bit about you know kind of why mm-hmm. we think what we think as mm-hmm. well. Um, the number of players can vary mm-hmm. quite a lot, and it depends on the game. It depends on the people. And each number has a different pro and con. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, if you have three or fewer, up to two or one, um, it's much more personal. Mm-hmm. That's a very positive thing about yeah. it. Um, the GM generally has to, they have to split their attention less often, mm-hmm. but it also puts a lot of uh, responsibility on the players right. to engage with each other yeah. because there's not that many of them. Another so, pro is that it will be focused around the characters, so they will really be on the spotlight, and that's the thing. I mean, it's not quite a con, but it's something to keep in mind, is that the players have to really be engaged, because you can't really just pass off the torch very often. Yeah. And I will say, uh, on on the flip side, uh, one of the biggest cons for me is, for me, uh, tabletop RPGs are very social uh, like mm-hmm. uh, exchange, and so with just... You know, three or fewer players, it tends to feel like, you know, like you're missing something. You want to, mm. you know, it, it's not as big of a hangout. Hey, it's and called it's, a party for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as we know, three is company. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I think like, so then you start getting in the territory of three, four or five players. Mm-hmm. So four or five. And that's, I think that's kind of more the sweet spot, I think, mm-hmm. depending on the game, obviously, but... I think my preference would be more four people and then maybe five. 
so is mine. Yeah. Um, four and five is definitely like the sweet spot. There's enough people to interact with, right. to uh, play off of each other. Exactly. There can be inter-party dynamics. Well, that's like, the thing. There's a lot more dialogue happening exactly. between people. And the other thing to consider is that with four or five, there are enough people that you, while you're role-playing, as, as a player, while you're role-playing your character, you don't have to like every single one of your party members. You can <laughs> choose to dislike someone else. In-game. In-game. And it won't negatively affect the party because there's more than just you two. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing about like that many people in a party is there's a lot more interactions, there's a lot more views. You get... You get a lot more out of a single situation mm -hmm. as you would if you had less people as well. Uh, and the thing to say about that as well is with four or five people, you get to start getting to the territory where you don't have to be uh, quote-unquote on all the time. You don't mm -hmm. have to be in character all the time. You don't have to be engaging with the story all the yeah. time because if you step back, then another player will... Uh, step forward and take the spotlight. Yeah, because sometimes you just want to have a more relaxed yeah. session. You just kind of want to chill, and you don't really want to be doing you know a whole bunch. But you also start getting into and running into the risk of uh, some players taking too much of the spotlight right. because with four or five players, uh, the game master, uh, effectively the world, has to split its attention a little bit more. And if uh, some of the players are more uh, vocal or more assertive, more than some, rambunctious. Yeah. Then some other players, uh, they they will tend to get more of the spotlight, leaving some of the other players behind. Again, as we said, communication, communication is the big is thing, big. just to make sure that. And I feel like most people are pretty good about yeah. uh, noticing that they've been taking up the spotlight a lot, and people haven't been able yeah. to interact. But yeah. that's kind of the negatives of role playing games. Where I mean, look, we're talking about them, to but to be honest. It's 99% of the time great, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I at least feel. Yeah, like I'm just pointing out the the other side. Oh, yeah, so the that things that can happen. Things yeah. that can happen. Uh, and Definitely. I see it most often with uh, new players because they will be more timid and like uh, more apprehensive towards that kind of yeah. engagement. They'll let more experienced players, you know, do everything, so to speak. And then afterwards, they might feel like, you know, oh, I didn't get to do as much as I thought I would. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is a problem that will continue building the more players you add. So, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the uh, larger groups, I'm going to label all of them just six plus because anything beyond five starts getting to very large uh, groupings. Um, a lot of those starts getting into very complicated logistics, complicated methods of right. coordinating players and GMs, mm -hmm. and it comes it becomes a much more difficult thing. It's possible, but it is not something that should be taken lighthearted yeah. per se. And like as as you were saying, Ennis, earlier, mm -hmm. uh, the whole situation where one person taking the spotlight or someone not mm -hmm. being able to you know play as much is is extended yeah. so much more if you have a six plus party because yeah. it's it's so hard for every character to get their two cents about a situation kind of thing so i mean that that's why we don't really like running more than five people typically i did run a six person uh, party for a long time for over a year and there's another thing that you 
don't think about that logistical comes up. issues. Yes, yeah, uh, the logistical issue, especially of coordinating free time. Right. Especially with people like being busy with life, work, classes, what have you. And obviously, all that comes first, but yeah. you do want to be able to play with your party. Yeah. Obviously, you want to be playing the game. Yeah. And so, the more pe- uh, people are involved, the harder planning those things becomes. While, like, a smaller group, uh, and we talk about the sweet spot of four, like, you might run into some problems, but it's way more reasonable to find those common free times. Free times. Yeah, exactly. And, like I mentioned before, large groups, six plus, are possible. I ran a 12-person game for about two years, and that's not 12 people, like, you know, different people subbing in or not. That was 12 people all at, at a time. Yeah, yeah. At a time. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a nightmare uh, to run. Yeah. Uh, and I would not run it the way I run it back then. Right. But there are ways of doing it. There, yeah. are, there are methods. That we don't work. recommend them. Yeah. But if you want to, you can. And there are definitely resources out there for you. I, yeah. I, would, um, I would say they're not a beginner thing. They're no, not a beginner not. thing. Um, there are more... Um, how do I say this? There are more easy ways of running large numbers of players where players sub in so you can have like a party of 12 people. yeah you can have 12 people but each session only has four or five people in it and that's that's the situation that we're talking about it's a lot more reasonable Mm -hmm, absolutely Um, is we're talking about new players um something you know we're talking about new players sometimes you know, don't get as much of a spotlight or don't know what to expect going in. I think something for new players is a big issue is being unfamiliar, obviously. And yeah. that's kind of what we're doing this podcast for is to introduce to new players. And one of those big things, I think, is uh, characters and yeah, trying to get into definitely. the role playing and the character of it. I know personally, I had a hard time initially knowing what to expect in the game Mm -hmm. like what character should i play it's it's hard to really just think of a character when you have a big book in front of you of all the races all the classes all that kind of stuff but my advice is always to look at something in pop culture or uh any sort of media you want movies books whatever and try to play a character that you really enjoy and try to introduce that character in into this world. Yeah. So, for example, one character that like I've seen played is someone just took uh, Legolas and uh, created them as an elven ranger in Dungeons and Dragons, and it was easier for them to know, you know, kind of what to do yeah. in any situation because they had the source material yeah. of Legolas. They kind of knew his personality. And so they just role-played that. And that's a really good way of kind of introducing yourself into role-playing is to just take a character that has some source material and just run through that. Because you are playing as that character in the game, right? Absolutely. Uh, the th- yeah, that works uh, perfectly because uh, what happens for new players that try, you know, being creative is excellent. Uh, and uh, you know, making your own character is excellent, but uh, you know, thinking of motivations and you know, uh, the backstory and personality can be a little daunting right. task in the beginning. And yeah. finding like 
ex- a pre-existing uh, template for that yeah. is excellent, and that doesn't just go for players; that goes for GMs as well. Yeah, uh, you know, taking if, inspiration from other things, taking inspiration is, from is, other I things. I mean, like a tale as old as time. Yeah, and printing part of it into your story, and there mm-hmm. you have it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And role playing in general for new players and for old, it, it's all about. Um, experience to an extent it comes down to um, do you feel comfort and the more you do it the more comfortable you'll get mm-hmm. uh, not everyone is perfect and not everyone role plays perfectly yeah. if such a thing exists yeah. and you don't um, have to like be gung ho your first time just sitting in not, and yeah. seeing how other people play like I kind of I think one of the best situations is mostly I mean if you can is to have you know one new player or two new players with some more veteran players around and a more experienced GM. But I've also seen like my uh, my very first campaign. It was run by someone who they were new to the whole D and D, and all their players were new to D and D, and they just kind of figured it out together. And there's a certain fun in that as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more reading on the <laughs> GM side or the dungeon master side, mm-hmm. but. From the get-go, yeah. Yeah, and but it's still a really fun experience regardless. But if you want to learn how to play kind of a little more, if you want to be more fluid at role-playing and kind of like how to really, you know, interact with the world within the system, mm-hmm. is to really play with uh, people who've played before or ask them questions. Obviously, just mm-hmm. ask questions as much as you want and just look look up stuff in books as and you want. And do not be afraid of failure or embarrassment yeah. because you're going to role play and you're not going to be familiar with it and uh, you might be embarrassed that <laughs> you want to say a certain thing or do a certain action and you might feel it is cringy or it is yeah. out of place for you as a person but you have to remember that one, you're never going to get better if you don't try. Mm-hmm. And two, it's a game. And you're it's playing a fun. character. Yeah. You're playing a character. So you may do something outlandish and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But like like everybody knows and everybody should remember that you guys are playing characters. This isn't the person doing yeah. something ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, like, even if it is, I mean, it's, it's still really fun. Yeah. Uh, that's the goal, right? To have yeah. fun. I mean, there's nothing funnier than outlandish and ridiculous. <laughs> we have a lot of outlandish, ridiculous situations in our sessions that we know none of the players uh, would do in real life, but yeah. it's fun to roleplay. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's. I feel like, personally, that's ultimately what tabletop RPGs boil down to is, like a lot of other forms of entertainment, it's a form of escapism, and it's the best kind of escapism. Yeah, definitely. There's... I cannot think of anything to rival the amount of like freedom that you can feel yeah. from doing something that you couldn't do in real life in a tabletop. It's like I'm playing game plus, you yeah. know, because you're not limited to physical means, right? Yeah. It's whatever you can think of, and which yeah. is which is you know, again, daunting a little bit, but yeah. also exciting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you can do whatever, and like just always having that in mind is good. Yeah, and so along with that freedom. Um, there's a lot that goes along with uh, starting out because there's as as fun as all this sounds like creating a you know new character playing a new game starting out your uh, campaign we think it's pretty easy but there are a lot of perceived barriers into starting a tabletop role playing game right a lot of stick there's a lot of stigma mm-hmm. around this especially for older folk perhaps. 
yeah. uh, who there was a big scare in the 80s and <laughs> 90s about, you know, summoning devils through playing yeah, tabletop devil games. Devil worshipping is yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. yeah. So, I feel like the stigma is less nowadays, yeah. and... And that's one of the reasons why I guess we're also making this is because, you know, it's becoming more and more of a thing that people do. Yeah. I mean, it's really opened up and we mm-hmm. want this to be, I guess, a, a good first uh, point of contact for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that being said, we realize that to a lot of people, this seems daunting and so overwhelming, overwhelming. Yeah. And, you know, some of the things that are the things we talked about, like, you know, uh, having to uh, make your own character. How do you get around that? That seems right. like a large task. We already talked about that a little bit, you right. know, basing it on an existing character. Uh, another thing that people uh, f- uh, feel is a big barrier is finding a group to play with. Right. And yeah. so... There's, mean, there's multiple ways to find a group. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's, like, there's typically in, especially in younger circles, whether it's high school or universities, uh, there's typically groups like clubs uh, and what have you that uh, will that are involved in that kind of thing, and you can reach out yeah. and find that. And Yeah, um, your local gaming cafe often has uh, groups that are looking for people. Yeah. Online communities such as Reddit have looking for groups, subreddits. Yeah. There's even specific games. ones for D&D where you yes. can find a party, yeah. and I've seen that, and I've yeah. talked to people who've done that, and they, yeah. they've enjoyed it, but... Another, another, I guess the most natural is you come together with just some of your friends. Yeah. And I get a lot of the time it's some of your friends might not be into it. So this is kind of where you go to like these game stores or you go online. There's events, all that kind of stuff where you can find people to play with. Yeah. And I mean, like D&D is one example that we use frequently, but and like it's very common uh, like and play and new player friendly, but like whatever you see out there that interests you, uh, you can be involved in. Uh, like you might see a game that is very futuristic or very horror based, and you're like that that excites me. And yeah. so you can you don't don't you don't have to feel constrained to D and D just because you hear that it's the uh, new player friendly. Uh, most games will uh, are more are very welcoming yeah. and very. Uh, open to new players. Yeah, there's a there's a sliding scale of difficulty. Some games are definitely more complicated, yeah. and many people wouldn't recommend them to new players. While some games are very much oriented towards you've never played an RPG. Yeah. Uh, this is an intro, and it's uh, made to um, guide you into how yeah. to play this kind of. Yeah, there are format. games exactly like that, and I mean, if you really want to commit yourself to learning, like learning about how to you know be a tabletop role player you can do those as well and but you know it's like how i learned how i learned guitar it's sort of like that where you can either go to kind of like books and lessons on how to learn guitar which a lot of people do do but me personally I just found a song that I liked, and I started playing that, and started playing that, and I that's how I learned it, and I loved it that way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same, where you can go through these kind of intro ways to do things, mm-hmm. and there are books on how to do that, or you could just jump into a game of Dungeons & Dragons or Shadowrun or whatever tabletop role-playing game, and you can just go in. Yeah. And with Trial that... by fire. <laughs> exactly. And, like, one of the big over overwhelming things is the 
player's handbook. Yeah. The when you first see it, you see this huge book of just all these rules and specifics and mechanics and all that stuff. And for to be honest, you don't need to worry about ninety percent of that book. Yeah. As a as not only a new player but as a player, yeah. like even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, definitely, uh, most of the time, James expects some level of knowing, uh, like, what yeah. the game's about. Like, you know, like, you know that you need to be rolling dice in D&D, for example. Yeah. And, you know, the big, the die you'll roll most often is a D20, you know, that level of exactly. knowledge about how the rules work. Mm-hmm. But it's usually the, the game master that uh, worries about that, or even if... Even the game master doesn't necessarily know that book from cover to cover. Right. Yeah. Um, for for reference, most game masters don't have their book memorized. Oh, the, the, the trait of a good game master generally comes down to: Do you know where in the book to find the information you need to find out? You don't need to know what every rule is, where everything is. You just need to know roughly where you can find it. Right. And I think the golden rule is if there's ever something that's in your way of role-playing or having fun, then you just fudge it up. You just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the game master can be like, eh, just, I'm going to make you roll this thing. Yeah. Even though in the rule book it might have a really complex mechanic, yeah. uh, you have to roll these specific things, look at these values. If Sometimes you don't have to do that. It depends on how, yeah. again, how intense you want to be, how mathematical yeah. and rule-structured you want to be with your games. And yeah. some people really enjoy that. Yeah. Another um, example yeah. that doesn't necessarily have to do with dice rolling is some games have like complex mechanics about eating and hunger and yeah. like fatigue, encumbrance, encumbrance. Yeah. and sometimes the game master is just like that's that's just too much to worry about and that will get in the way of your fun and exactly. so we'll just ignore those rules and yeah. keep going and so that's what it comes down to is you know what what makes the most fun experience for everyone exactly mm-hmm. and going back to the uh, the. What you should know from a, a game, like a, a player's handbook, right? Yeah. You don't need to know the whole thing. You only need to know the pages that pertain to your character, your yeah. race and class most of the time, and whatever spells you might have. And that's a very small percentage of that book. And that's mostly all the only kind of rules things that you really need to know. And again, you can look them up every time you have to do something related to them, but it's it's not that big of a big of a task just to know a couple pages in a book. Another perceived barrier to entry is the monetary aspect. Uh, people think that you have to spend a lot of money to be involved uh, in these kinds of games, right. uh, which really isn't the case. Like, because mm-hmm. you see all these books, you see miniatures, you see. Tables, special play mats, markers. You don't um, need any of that. No, you don't. A lot of systems, D and D included, mm-hmm. have uh, open under like it's called a under commons uh, copyright. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the rules, a lot of the things related to it, are freely available online. Mm-hmm. If you want to buy the book right. and have a physical mm-hmm. copy, or buy the official PDF, mm-hmm. you are still able to, and those have a much higher like uh, production quality. Yeah, uh, and that extends to most uh, tabletop role playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the rules are mm-hmm. out there freely available yeah. uh, without theft. Yeah, like yeah. you can find them online, and you don't have to pirate them. Yeah, and speaking to those 
um, things like miniatures and play mats and all that is they're not needed, but they can enhance your experience as long as, you know, your party wants it. They want to get involved with that. Uh, and like, again, D&D is uh, an excellent icon for all of this because D&D was definitely uh, uh, like an uh, example setter. I apologize, audience. Uh, it was definitely an example setter uh, for uh, the uh, for uh, giving out your rules for free because they believed that they wanted their system, uh, especially now their newest system, fifth edition, to be uh, easily accessible and to encourage people to play. Yeah. And that's what we're telling you. We're trying to encourage you to play. And yeah. I mean, my first my first uh, experience was with. D&D 5th edition and yeah. it was smooth it was great mm -hmm. yeah. and and yeah. to be very clear they aren't the first role playing game to do this yeah. but their example uh, making 5th edition uh, freely available is one they kind of set the trend it, it's, it started setting the trend but they were definitely not the first no yeah. But it's their big company, big well-known name, and so, and so yeah, okay, it, it set an example. Exactly. So why should you try a tabletop role-playing game? You, I think you should try it. It's just for the sake of trying things. Like mm. it's experiencing things like this is like a human privilege. Yeah. To like. Uh, what, you know, whatever it is. Like, if you told me this is a food I've never tried, I, t I, I would uh, recommend to you that you try it. This intellectual, like, experience is a privilege for humans. It's a part of the human experience to yeah. try new things. And, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a huge hardcore nerd like us to get into <laughs> tabletop role-playing games. I mean, you can be just, you know, just into Anyone. whatever. Yeah, you could... I don't want to rag on anyone, but you could be into just the Big Bang Theory and also enjoy this, you know? You could also not be into the Big Bang Theory okay, or anything exactly. of that sort and still enjoy anything, it. Right? Like you could be a jock playing sports that doesn't really care too much about, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what have you, like yeah. elves and stuff like that, but you can still really enjoy it. Yeah. Tabletop role-playing games aren't for a single demographic. They're there for are, everyone. They're for everyone. There are so many different types of games, so many ways of playing, that it's very likely that there is a game out there for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, to also, you know, maybe hammer the point home with the nerdiness, <laughs> uh, there are plenty of now recent studies that show that there's some uh, human-like instinct in, uh, to crave for uh, storytelling mm -hmm. and to crave for socialization. And this is an excellent way to fulfill both those needs that oh, uh, people have. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's great storytelling, whether you're the player or GM, just being able to, uh, you know, craft a story. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a social uh, game. And it, unlike a lot of other storytelling, it's not real yeah. and so you it you typically don't or don't have to be more uh, as nervous about it as you know right. talking about your character is n never going to be as nerve-wracking as talking about yourself yeah and the thing is like speaking to that i uh i am in a very mathematical sciencey analytical field where i haven't i i haven't 
written anything. I haven't experienced any sort of storytelling outside of just, you know, either playing a game or, you know, reading a book. Like, I, I don't get to, you know, experience that creative side of myself. And I get to do that through role-playing games, whether it be GMing or just even as a player. Because, again, as we said, it's a collective storytelling experience. So, yeah, it's great to just open that side of you if you don't get to. And another plus, another reason why I would recommend uh, trying tabletop role-playing games is that kind of tangential experience you get from role-playing something, from mm-hmm. playing a character, from running a game. It, it lends itself a lot to uh, confidence in terms of your speaking. You yeah. learn to speak better. You learn to not be as nervous or self-conscious about speaking amongst groups of people. It's just forcing yourself into a situation where you can act as someone else and taking that experience into the real world is something that I myself have found much benefit from and I've seen others have benefit from it as well. Yeah, definitely. And I'd say, like, it also helps with, like, stuff like empathy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, going through and playing a character, you can really understand how, you know, other people think yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, and you sometimes will also, by playing, stumble across very unique experiences. One of the most self-contemplative experiences I've ever had was I was going to join a... Uh, a tabletop RPG uh, a, a game and I had planned you know what I'll play a character that's just me in this world and that is like thinking like oh what is this character's motivation and yeah. having to think what is my motivation in Very, my life yeah. self you know introspective <laughs> it was the thing. most introspective I have ever been and like after making that character it gave me like a very different perspective on like who I am and like what I'm doing. It definitely opens up your mind to a lot of things. I mean, even if you aren't thinking about yourself, just thinking about a character and a person's motivations and backstories and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's it's a great, you know, kind of feeds your brain and not only the creative side, but also the kind of empathic side, right? Yeah. Yeah, you learn a lot of ways of interacting with people, of communicating things of even like conflict resolution yeah you know, exactly even, even though one, a lot yeah. of uh, rpgs have like uh combat mechanics a lot of situations can be handled as in the, in the simplest way with a conversation mm-hmm. and uh like final guess point on why you should try tabletop role-playing games is i mean it's a it's a good excuse for you to hang out with your friends that you really want to hang out with yeah. as well or hang out with these people i mean I see it as kind of both, you know, I get to see these people every week or every two weeks and I just get to like hang out with them and we also get to do something really creative and fun. I have friends that uh, unfortunately I don't see uh, unless we're playing tabletop uh, uh, role playing games and like we're very close and we enjoy it every time. It's just we never get the chance to hang out except for this special time we've scheduled away for. Yeah, uh, scheduled fun is yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> We're like toddlers. <laughs> uh, toddlers in adult bodies. Yeah. yeah. Now, I know what we said is, uh, is like sounds very deep and complicated, but right. again, don't let that deter you. It oh, won't feel like that when you play. Uh, if you try it, it, it'll be like... Again, we're nerds that go into depth about things. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah. 
again, uh, the goal is to have fun, yeah. just tell a story, and just hang out with your friends. Yeah. I mean, that is the the that's the best descriptor of a, a tabletop role playing game. Yeah. I can, like Most one, concise, if anything. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't even take that much effort. He says, laughing while staring. It takes a lot of effort on the it, it GM's part. It takes different kinds of effort. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's emotional effort or yeah. actual preparation. Mm-hmm. It's not tiring, it's just sometimes it's like, oh yeah, maybe I should prepare a story for my players to engage with. They do expect that of me, don't they? Huh? <laughs> Even though I've had a long day. Uh... You shouldn't out yourself like that. You really shouldn't. Anyways, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about? I think that more or less wraps it up for yeah, our first episode. I think that covers it pretty well. Uh, again, if anybody has any questions or anything like that we'll probably get something up for if anybody ever wants us to talk about something specific or explain something further this is our pilot we're still testing stuff out and hopefully everything works out but you know as we've just said nothing ever works the way you want it and next episode's topic is to be determined exactly we you will know when we know anyways (laughs) thank you so much for uh tuning in uh, I've been Caleb. I've been Ennis. And I've been Santiago. And we just want to say, may your roles be 20s and your enemies be 1s. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.